Peace and blessings be upon you. Welcome to the Ta'alif Podcast, a space where we aim to provide content and connect our spiritual hearts with community, love, service, and prophetic wisdom. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I pray that you are all doing well. Alhamdulillah. Jazakumullah for joining us for this class. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, if we will start with uh, Surah Fatiha as a gift to our Sheikha Samira Azayid for this text that we are covering. And so the compendium of the sources of the prophetic narrative. Bismillah. Jazakumullah May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you all for joining us for this session on the narrative of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, Repeat after me, which is the translation of the intention of Imam al-Haddad. Uh, inshallah, after that, we will add to it and please say ameen. Bismillah. I intend to learn and to teach, to benefit and to be benefited to remind and to be reminded, to call to the book of Allah and the sunnah of his messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa to guide and to be guided by sound proof and correct knowledge, to seek the countenance of my Lord, nearness to him and his reward. We're also here by the intention to expose ourselves to the mercy of Allah, to expose ourselves to his maqfir or his generosity, we're here by the intention that we would be guided aright, that Allah would increase us in knowledge and wisdom and proximity to the Messenger of Allah, alayhi salatu wasalam, illuminating our hearts with love for him, illuminating our hearts with love for Allah azawajal, that we're here also by the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless us to implement the qualities of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu to have a more in-depth understanding of our deen and our relationship with Allah. And also, we're here by the intention that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would bless us in our entire progeny to be listed amongst those who are granted genital firdos and ala by his mercy and his generosity. Allahumma ameen. So last week, we actually discussed some of the early companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu We went over uh, through the, from the first pages of 178 going into 182. Uh, right at the beginning, subhanAllah. Actually, we ended on 181 for those of you who are following in the text. And basically, it begins to discuss some of those early companions of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, that when he received revelation, those who were following him, those who were in very close proximity to him like within his household, that he was actually beginning uh, to teach, subhanAllah, and his relationship to them. And so we got to, of course, um, our beloved Khadija radiallahu ta'ala an. And her the role that she plays in the life of the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and we know that subhanAllah her role is so integral so so paramount in in the Prophet وسلم's life because we know that not only did she give him love and support but she gave him high confidence right that she she just instilled in him such a confidence and a surety of not only about revelation about who he is but also about his worthiness to receive it 
right? And so this, of course, gives him uh, a different level of strength, of course, in order to be able to deliver that message. And how do I, how are, how are we arriving at that? If we look at, for example, there are other examples of NBA, of prophets. For example, in the case of Prophet Lut, right, whose wife, he did not share that same level of faith, that same level of iman, that same level of steadfastness and connection to Allah Azawajan. And so looking at how the how Khadija is a different wife, that she's the type of wife that is that is that um not only just a wife and kind of like in terms of I'm sidelining, but she's also the kind of wife that says, I support you. I know who you are. Right, I respect Allah Azza wa Jal, and I respect you as the messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. And so subhanAllah, her her um her role as this first companion of the Prophet and the first one to convert to bear witness that there is no none worthy of worship except Allah Azza wa Jal. And you, Ya Rasulullah, you, O Muhammad, are a prophet and a messenger of Allah. And so her being the first to confirm that it makes sense that her household, right, becomes this uh, beloved household, that all those who are in their care, of course, their children, but in addition to those who were servants in their house, including Zaid, right, and, um, and Ibn Haritha. And we mentioned Zaid last week and his relationship to the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and understanding uh, this relationship between them even as it relates to the significance of today, right? Even as it relates to those who are, uh, who, who try to slander Islam with a certain claim that even us clarifying the Prophet name, uh, relationship to Zayd and what it meant for, for their time and especially what it translates to our time, what we begin to recognize is that each one of these companions and each stage of development has, has a huge impact and huge significance as it relates to our understanding of the deen, as it relates to how does this, um, how does the deen relate to me personally, right? In, term, in my own individual capacity, in terms of my a greater identity, in terms of uh, addressing certain, certain social crisis and certain social illness um, that exists within this society. And so, and how that translates not only for that time, but for our time, subhanAllah. And so in, in these early companions, as we study the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, it's important that we keep um, making these connections, not to just read it as a story, right? As mentioned by, by Sheikh Samira in the beginning, right? That this is not just a matter of uh, subhanAllah looking at the prophetic narrative from a historical standpoint. It's not only just a matter of looking at the narrative of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as actually just we're narrating his life, as opposed to our job and in, in investigating, right, is for us to extract the wisdom, for us to be able to see the gifts that Allah Azawajal is literally preparing before us, like the gifts that Allah Azawajal is literally laying out for us this banquet, but for us to partake from, right? And this banquet is the banquet of understanding what does prophecy really mean, right? What does, what does it mean uh, in order for someone to say that they are a prophet and a messenger of Allah? It means that all of their interactions serve as lessons for us. Each one of their companions and their in, in their relationships to these companions serves as an opportunity for us to learn and for us to benefit. 
And so not even a small thing, right, uh, is lost, should be lost on us, should we take for granted. And so with that intention, inshallah, bi'idhnillah, that as we begin to turn the pages and unfold uh, the narrations and the stories and his relationships, that we also are able to investigate what these relationships mean for his time, for his uh, for his, his relationship to Allah, جل, as it relates to him being a messenger of Allah, and thereby what am I supposed to be called to, how, what am I supposed to be pulled towards, right? And so that leaves, uh, of course, in looking at that, right, in looking at his relationship to Zayd, then his relationship to Ali ibn Abi Talib, which is such a beautiful uh, relationship as well, is that there had been a horrible drought inside of Mecca. And this drought that existed inside of Mecca left the family of Abu Talib uh, in a in a in a you know in a rough financial position in a rough financial state and therefore subhanallah the prophet وسلم, as well as another uncle of his then at that time kind of stepped in and said you know let me take one of the children so that i can be a means of support right which in and of itself just gives a huge commentary as it relates who the messenger of allah والسلام, is as it relates to his level of help and assistance but also to bring um, Ali ibn Abi Talib into his family, right? Into his own household um, and raise him, you know, and raise him. And so subhanAllah, there's no secret, of course, about the greatness of Ali ibn Abi Talib and, you know, he, him accepting um, this faith, right? Him accepting, as a matter of fact, even in uh, what happens is, is that the Prophet وسلم, was found praying with this inner circle, with this inner circle of his household. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And when he they were found praying, uh, Ali, uh, Abu Talib uh, found, the, the, the Prophet's uncle found them praying. And so what is this, oh, nephew of mine? Right? What is this that you're doing? Right? And he says to him, like, I am the messenger of Allah, right? Like we're making salah and I am the messenger of Allah. I have been sent with this. And so subhanAllah, it becomes something by which uh, you know, he 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 when he explains this to him, then it says, you know, the narration goes, sorry, excuse me, one second. The narration goes that. Abu Talib at the time says that he can't leave the religion of his forefathers, right? Not knowing, not thinking, like keep going further back, right? To the religion of Ibrahim, which the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, tells him. He says, like, I'm following, I am following the religion of my ancestors. I am following the religion of my forefathers, the ones who, uh, who be before they went astray, all the way back to Prophet Ibrahim salam. But Abu Talib tells him, like you, like I myself at this time, this is at that moment, he said, I myself at this time cannot be found following the religion of your forefathers, but you will never, I will never forsake you and you will find me as, um, as, a, as, a, as a caretaker over you, as someone who is a guardian over you and a, a protector over you between those, uh, between you and those who wish to harm you. And so later on, he sees his own son, right, Ali, and he asks him, this is Ali ibn Abu Talib, and he asks him, yeah, Ali, oh, son of mine, what are you doing, right? And he says, oh, father, I follow the religion that there is no God but Allah, and that this man, Prophet Muhammad, he is his prophet and his messenger, 
I, and I follow him. And so Ali ibn Abi Talib uh, is, is speaking to his father and he's young. Rahman, he's roughly about eight years old at the time that he's saying this to his father, right? When it's recorded that uh, before them, there's a, a narration where it said that uh, the Prophet وسلم, is about to pray. He's teaching them in the early days. And I said, we'll mention that inshallah in a minute, that in the early days they're praying. And Ali ibn Abi Talib quite asked the Prophet وسلم, about it. And he informs him and he tells him. And then he joins him in the salah, right? And before he joins him, the Prophet وسلم, says, wait, go ask your father. Right, go ask your father if you can join me. And I, it's recorded that Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, Allah did not ask my father to create me. Therefore, I'm not going to ask my father to pray to him. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Look at the wisdom of this eight-year-old. Right? Look at the wisdom of the one who's raised in the house of the Prophet and so then he begins to join the Prophet وسلم, in these early secret prayers. And then when he's discovered by his father, his father asks him, right? He, now there's no hiding it. He just stands up and he says, there is none that is worthy of worship except Allah. And, and this man, Muhammad, is his prophet and his messenger. And I'm following this deen and this path in this way, which is the religion of Ibrahim Ali ibn Abi Talib tells him, Go with this man, for he will never lead you astray. He will never lead. He will never lead you to anything except goodness. Subhanallah. Only we know the case. Only I mean, only Allah knows the case of Abu Talib. Even for this, Subhanallah, for him saying, "Go with this man, for he will not guide you to anything except for goodness." Meaning, he himself is bearing witness, right? That Islam is goodness, and that this man is from the good. This man is from the khair. Right, Allahu Alam in the case of Abu Talib. And of course, there are other narrations later on for Ibn Abbas uh, that when he speaks to the Prophet about the case of Abu Talib and what Allahu Ta'ala Alam in this case, what we do know is that there are multiple occasions where uh, he actually testifies to, to the truthfulness of Prophet Muhammad. And so this is the early household of the Prophet وسلم, uh, you know, him and Khadija was Zayd ibn Harith, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib. And of course, of course, we can't forget his best friend who joins him very quickly, which is Abu Bakr Siddiq, Allah ta'ala an. And you know, the, the case of Abu Bakr is such a beautiful uh, case because, you know, there are two things very similar to Khadija where someone usually in proximity to you who knows you better than anyone else would be able to speak to your to your um to your shortcomings would be able to speak more clearly to where your deficiencies lie and yet in the case of Abu, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq who also uh, has is in a position in society because of his wealth. So he holds a certain status in this in the in, in the Meccan society. But this does not taint him. And this is truly an amazing point and an important point for us to recognize that the first thing is, is that in his cloak's proximity to the Prophet immediately when the Prophet tells him, I am the messenger of Allah. I am the one who's been sent to the end of time. 
right? That I am the Prophet and the Messenger of Allah. Ali, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq, Allah ta'ala an, is immediately accepts him as the Messenger of Allah. Even though he has this dream before that we mentioned last week, he has this dream, right? That this that one is coming. But when the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, came to him, he didn't say, you know, Muhammad, I don't know, are you sure? Right? He didn't say, uh, you know, I don't know. Because wouldn't Allah choose this, this, or that? He immediately accepts. Why? Because he's closest to the Prophet وسلم, He knows he's the best man for it. I, if there's anyone that Allah is going to send as a Prophet, it's going to be him. I know him. In and out, back and forward, I know him. We trusted him long before this. I know him for sure. He's the prophet. He's the messenger. And these testimonies mean something big because it also speaks to the level of sincerity of Abu Bakr that he does it, radiallahu ta'ala, and that he doesn't hesitate. He's not tainted by his wealth or his status. He's not saying, oh my goodness, maybe, you know what? Let me just uh, think about this a little bit further. You know, I can kind of, you know, I can help you. I can, you know, I can help you, but uh, in my own way, right? I'll secretly give money to you. It might affect my business. It might, you know, uh, it might affect my business. It might affect my status. It might affect uh, my relationship to my customers. It might affect, it might affect a lot of things considering my status, my wealth, my position. That's not his case at all. He is not the slightest bit concerned about his wealth, his customers, his, his business, his status. He's not the slightest bit concerned about it. He's ready, quick to say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so with this, we find uh, in those early, early companions, subhanAllah, the Hamdi subhanAllah al-Azim, forgive me just for a moment. Uh, then we have, subhanAllah, uh, from the early ones, right? Of course, after Abu Bakr, you have Uthman ibn Affan, with Zubair Awam, with Abdurrahman bin Auf, Sa'ad ibn Abiqas, Tahal bin Ubaidullah, Zubair, Huziyak. He's 16 at the time. SubhanAllah. These are some of the early ones who come, right? I also want to uh, mention uh, Abu Ubaidah, Amir Abdullah bin Jarar, Abu Salima, Abdullah bin uh, Abdul Asad and Arqam bin Abi Arqam, Uthman bin Maz'un, and then his brothers Qudama and Abdullah Ubaidah and Harith. Mutalib Said bin Zaid bin Amr bin Nufayn, his wife, his sister, this wife and sister of Omar ibn Khattab, bint Fatima bint Khattab, then bint Nufayn, Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr, Umu Fadl, Lubaba, with Kubra, the daughter of Haritha, Khabab al Arad, and an ally of Bani Zuhra, Utba al Ghazwan, Omar bin Abi Waqas. The brother of Saad, Abi Waqas, and Abdullah bin Mas'ud, an ally of Bani Zuhra. It's important, you know, subhanAllah, that we mention their names. Radi Allah ta'ala anhum. That may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forever, ever, ever be pleased with them. For these are the first, the earliest, they're from the awwaleen. The, those who subhanallah will enter into Jannah, those who accepted the, the Prophet Muhammad in the early years, in the early days, when it's not easy, when they are practicing in secret. And so uh, in the beginning, subhanallah, I mentioned 
about the salah. That the Prophet is making salah in his household with Khadija and again uh, with, with Ali ibn Abi Talib and Zayd ibn Harith. And so just to discuss in these early days that the first of revelation, we talked about two, two uh, weeks ago, how in the early phases of revelation, there was this pause, right? After that initial meeting, there was this, this uh, pause in revelation, a pause in the coming of Jibreel alayhi salam. And inside of that pause, it created this deep longing and yearning uh, and for the, the Prophet وسلم, of course, would have for the presence of Jibra'il, but have for the presence of the Kalam Allah, have for the presence of, of, of wanting Allah to receive revelation again. Now, at this time, at this phase, revelation is coming, right? Revelation is coming on a regular basis. It's actually the small, short surahs. And what they're called, they're calling, of course, the Tawheed. In the early beginning days, it's calling toward the, the, the belief, right? The foundational beliefs and Allah Azza wa Jal. Actually also giving hope to the believers, but also warnings, right? Giving some warnings to the believers about this. And so in the early days of these warnings right about hellfire but teaching the believers about jannah and about jahannam putting the believer between hope and fear teaching them about allah's vast reward and his mercy and his greatness but also letting it be known right that allah is just now why is it important uh oh excuse me why is it important one might say, well, why mention hellfire? Why not just mention Allah's mercy? You have to understand that in some of the beginning days, there's a lot of oppression that's happening. There's not only just a lot of oppression, there are a lot of those who are coming to Islam that are from an oppressed class. They are from a class of people that have experienced such hardship at the hands of men. There are people who are coming that are that have experienced severe slavery. They have, and I'm talking, and what I'm talking about this time, they're beating them, right? They've been kidnapped. There's, you know, there is a feeling that there's oppression. Remember, uh, even there's an injustice, even not, not so much about race, uh -uh, about class, even between one class to another, one tribe to another, one's because of one tribal status, right, to another. Not based upon at this point, this is not about race or about color, not at this point. This is about ethnicity. This is about tribe. And so even there is an injustice that's going on in this, that was the initial cause, and we mentioned this about a month ago, that was the initial cause of even the Prophet Muhammad joining a federation, uh, a coalition that was formed, right, by the Quraysh called Umud Hifud Fudul, sorry, Hifud Fudul which was to a fight uh, the oppression and the, and the injustice that was happening from one tribe to another even. So even in fighting this injustice, right? There is, an, and we know because later on when we get to what happens to Sumaya, right? And her husband, her family, Yasser and Omar, that the injustice that, that's also happening, the persecution that's happening to the Muslims for no other reason other than they're saying, we follow the religion of Allah. For no other reason than we're saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. 
So what is the purpose of mentioning hell at this point? That Allah Azawajal is saying, I will take your revenge for you. That Allah Azawajal is actually giving comfort to them, saying that I see you. I see your pain. I see what others have done to you and I'm not sleeping and I'm not gonna let it slide. That they will get what they've earned. And this gives a deep sense for those who are suffering deep injustice. They need to know that Allah knows their cause. This is huge in terms of also our understanding da'wah. I can't say enough about even when we look at opportunities that were offered to the Muslims, like for example, during the case of apartheid in South Africa, and I'll just mention this very quickly, that there was an opportunity that was given to the Muslims to really present Islam uh, from the perspective that Islam was a religion of justice and that Islam was a religion uh, that would actually favor you know, those who stood up for justice and that Islam was a religion that actually cared about um, the injustice of apartheid and that Islam was not a religion that was based upon color or tribe of ethnicity. And without going into too much politics, it wasn't um, in Nelson Mandela, he mentions this, even uh, Ibrahim Rasul, he mentions this, that let's just say that uh, based upon the Muslims at the time feeling like, well, the government is not, is not teaching us, you know, keeping us from our salah, right? So therefore we won't stand up against this injustice against apartheid. Not every Muslim, no, not, not, not like the likes of Ibrahim Rasul, and there were Muslims who suffered imprisonment with Nelson Mandela, but the general population felt like, you know what, let's be a little bit, um, you know, tolerant of this apartheid issue because they're allowing us to make so much. Right? SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And there was a miss, let's just say, there was a, a missed opportunity for to present Islam in the way that it was in the early days. To let them know Allah cares about your suffering. And not just from the standpoint of, you know, um, not just from the standpoint of, you know, just be patient, uh, not just from the standpoint of spiritual bypassing, right? Be patient, be quiet, but no, no, from the standpoint that Allah is saying, listen, you're not strong enough now. I know. I know you're not strong enough now to, to fight them. I know you don't have, you know, the numbers and the resources to fight them. And I know you're still regaining your confidence in humanity. And I know you're still regaining your own confidence and your own strength because of what has happened to you in the land. But what Allah is telling them, don't worry. I won't let it slide. And for the Prophet Muhammad to be telling them, you shall be, you shall be rewarded for your struggle with Jannah. You, Allah sees you. He's going to reward you for your patience, for your steadfastness, for your tawakkul, for all those things. Allah is going to reward you, but he's also going to avenge you. That Allah is al-muntaqim. That your suffering, your oppression matters to him. And so in these beginning verses, right, of, of teaching about iman, right, love of Allah, oneness of Allah, taking them, of course, away from idol worshiper, idol worshiping, 
taking them away from uh, that which ultimately you've been disappointed. If you have been praying to these idols and you didn't get what you wanted, if you've been praying and asking these idols to give you some form of assistance and you didn't find them listening, you didn't find your case not listening, now let me direct you to the one who actually does listen to prayers, who is Al-Qadr Muqtadr, who has the ability to solve your problems, who is capable and all-powerful, and who will answer your du'as. And so in this beginning, there's a, there's a beginning of this attachment to Allah, right? Recognizing Allah's greatness and his mercy and his kindness, right? And uh, the pillars of faith, right? Instituting what are the basic points about Islam. However, going back to um, what I wanted to mention is that even though in these early days, Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, let's build a relationship, right? Let's build a relationship. And so uh, in the early days, Jibra'in alayhi salam came. And this, for me, this is a very beautiful narration where Jibra'il, there's one a moment where the Prophet says that he sees him between the earth and between the earth and the sky. And as he sees him, he then strikes open the earth with his heel and water flows out. And Jibra'il makes wudu and leads the Prophet Muhammad in the salah, teaching him the rules and the, the mechanisms right, of wudu. And of course, then going through uh, the aspects of the salah, right? The basic aspects of the salah. And so in that, uh, the Prophet Muhammad then goes and he teaches that same action to Khadija he then goes and he's teaching this uh, action to, to his wife. And they pray together. After teaching her how to make wudu, just as Jibra'il alayhi salam taught him, he then goes, he teaches Khadija, she prays behind him, subhanAllah. And so even though um, the basics, the some of the basics of the salah actually happen in the very early days, the, um, it's only like during the morning and during the night, right? So uh, the morning time and the evening time, and then subhanAllah, the five prayers, the five, uh, five prayers uh, that we prayed now, the Safar Salawat, along with the more in detail, the mechanics of the Salah, they become implemented during Isra and Mi'raj, right? But this in the early phases is the basics, like a basic Salah, basic wudu, basic Salah, as well as uh, so that the, the believers actually have a methodology, a way, but how do I approach Allah, right? How do I begin to have a relationship with Allah subhanahu? And so this happens, subhanAllah, in the, in the early days. And so also to really stress, like, why, you know, what is the significance of uh, teaching wudu, right, in the beginning? There's a huge reason, of course, while teaching wudu in the beginning is so clear. Because, of course, there are a number of, um, there are a number of aspects, right, that wudu is connected to. There is a reminder, of course, of the external purity and its importance, right? Which also is about, it's, there's a level of it that speaks to obedience, but also there's a level of understanding that I must purify myself, right? That there must be a purity about me, that I, I want to wash away, uh, 
you know, wash away, uh, of course, ceremonial, what's, what's considered ceremonial washing, uh, to, of course, the removal of filth, but also it speaks to a purity of the relationship in the approach to Al-Qudus, right? To the one who is the source of all holiness and the one who is the most pure. But then also, of course, then this calls to an internal taskiyah, right? The internal preparation for the standing in front of Allah. And so this has huge uh, implications in terms of understanding, right? That this deen, this way of life, this relationship with Allah is about removing my impurities internally and externally, removing my impurities so that I may have a better uh, approach towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right, and so that uh, under understanding that going back uh, then right to some of like what were those early revelations discussing some of those early uh, revelations, of course, as we mentioned, they're also speaking, um, they're also speaking about uh, um, like justice right in terms of basic returning back rights right like if you wrong someone, you know returning back those rights basically set your most basic affairs in order with Allah. Talking about justice, talking about fairness, talking about setting things right, talking about purification, talking about you know having steadfastness and also giving a lot of giving the believers hope, right? A lot of giving the believers hope because they're also at this time suffering so much persecution. So uh, what happens is, is that after these initial uh, prayers are established for the Prophet وسلم, to actually uh, pray with the believers as the community is growing. First, they're praying in Shi'at, they're praying on the side of the mountain, right? Like in the evening, they're coming together and they're praying in private. But one particular night, subhanAllah, that they came to pray, there are a group of polytheists who see them, right? Who see them coming for prayer. And as they're coming, you know, they see them in the midst of prayer. And it says that uh, they were attacked, that these polytheists actually attacked the Muslims, right? For their salah. Can you imagine? Right? That they actually attacked the Muslims for their prayer. And there was a clash that happened between them. And Saad actually had to, had to injure one of them. So this is the first skirmish, right? Between the Muslims and the non-Muslims where the Muslims are actually having to stand up for their faith. And they're standing up to defend the most basic part of their faith, right? Their right to pray. Like, I, I'm not bothering you. I've, all, I've come all the way to the side of a mountain to talk to my Lord. I'm not coming and smashing the idols in the Kaaba. I'm not coming kicking you out. I'm not making noise in that way. I'm simply coming to the side of the mountain and just trying to worship my Lord in private. And you're making war with me about that? Right, and so in these beginning, in the very beginning, subhanAllah, they, you know, the, the Muslims are suffering very harshly because of what? Why now? Why would the Quraysh are not just Quraysh, why would these other warring tribes and polytheistic tribes? Why are they fighting them? Because they're afraid that, of course, we're going to lose our money, right? You're trying to change 
you know, you're trying to implement big change in our society. And, you know, if we don't have these idols, if you turn us towards the worship of Allah and we don't have these idols, then, you know, we're going to lose people coming to this pilgrimage every year for these idols. Are you seeing this? SubhanAllah. How many Muslims come for Hajj when they allow us, right? How many Muslims come for Hajj? SubhanAllah, more than those polytheists uh, ever existed. SubhanAllah wa bihamdihi, SubhanAllah and Aqim. And so understanding uh, after that skirmish, right? After that skirmish, not too long um, after that, uh, the Prophet and many of those beginning companions go to their hiding, right? In Dar al-Arqam. And so uh, in this, this place in Darul Arqam is a place basically where they would gather, whether they were coming to pray or they were coming for the Prophet them to give them durus, right? To sit and talk to them and give them lessons and teach them about Tawheed, teach them about Wudu, teach them about Salah, teach them about the, the, the Arqan of Iman. Um, and, and, you know, of course, this is something clear because they have to believe in Allah, right? But they have to know who is Allah. So those basic, like subhanAllah, these are some serious things like Allahu Ahad, recognizing Allah being Ahad. How is this? What are the what are the dynamics of that? It might seem small, but, but being able to say, is it mind, mind, body, and soul? Is it Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one? Are these things? And so the Prophet is using these times to really clarify, right? What does it mean for Allah to be one? And is it one idol? Right? So to clarify. Who is Allah subhanahu And to remove these anthropomorphic ideas that have existed in their mind um, because of what has constantly been taught. And so, of course, believe in Allah and then believe in the angels. This is important. You've got to believe that, uh, that Jibra'il is coming to me. In reality, Jibra'il is coming and he's teaching me and he's giving revelation and he's teaching me the things that I'm teaching you. So if you don't believe in the angels, right, you've negated this deen. You've negated even the methodology by which these deen is coming. So him sitting and teaching them and talking with them in those beginning uh, months and years are, is very key. And so in order to be protected, they're in Darun Arkham where these, uh, subhanAllah, these classes are happening in secret, right? And the, and the Muslims are gathering and learning, subhanAllah, and they go back to their home. And so what we do know is that, of course, Bilal ibn Rabah at this time is sneaking off to Darul Arqam, having, coming and listening, right, and bringing other believers, bringing other Muslims to uh, the Duruz, the, the, the majlis of the Prophet وسلم, which can, can you imagine, right, being in the majlis of the Prophet وسلم, especially, you know, with just a handful of people, not like with the whole ummah, not like with thousands around him. But being able to be in the midst of the Prophet and in just a small circle and be able to ask him certain questions or have that level of proximity, right? And intimacy with the Prophet may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with that. And so just to mention, uh, you know, the house, the Darul Arqam was uh, looking at, I'm sorry, the house of Arqam, uh, which was on the mountain of Safa, right? Which has made it a little bit secluded. But just how important uh, recognizing that Dar al-Arqam being on Mount Safa, right? This is where our mother Hajar would run back and forth. SubhanAllah, Allah Azza wa Jal would bless her for her struggle and her sacrifice. 
how Allah Azzawajal would just shine such a light and, and give her increase upon increase upon increase. So for those of you Muslims who are having gatherings in your homes, for who are teaching uh, classes, having, um, you know, mawlids or having small circles of dhikr or dua in your home, subhanAllah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it a garden of jannah for you. May that place in your home be a means by which it testifies for you on the day of judgment and a means by which you enter into genital for the dose and ayna. Allahumma ameen. Thank you for tuning in. Please consider becoming a monthly sustainer by joining 1,000 Hearts of Ta'lif and committing to give $3 a day to keep this work coming to seekers, youth, and newcomers to Islam. Sign up today at www.ta'leefcollective.org forward slash donate. We hope you enjoyed the variety of sessions available and hope you benefit immensely. Allah bless you and Allah bless your loved ones.